We're going to read from God's Word, from the Bible now. And if you have a Bible with you this morning, then I'd love you to turn to Matthew uh, chapter 1, Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 1. And we're going to read from verse uh, 18. Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Well, let's uh, pray together as we turn back to Matthew 1. Father, we do thank you so much for the joy of Christmas. Um, We pray now, please would you help us to see the true meaning of it with freshness this morning and to have it central in our thoughts over the coming days. Please speak to us and encourage us now through your words and by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you watched any Christmas films Uh, over the last uh, few weeks? There's plenty out there to watch, aren't there? Some not worth your time watching at all. And others are just classics, aren't they? You want to watch them again and again and again, and they never get uh, old. I've actually not watched any yet. It's been that kind of month. Maybe I'll squeeze one or two in over the next few days. Maybe you've got a favourite, like Home Alone, or It's a Wonderful Life, or Elf, or White Christmas, A Christmas Carol, The Santa Claus. You can tell me later uh, what yours is. They're all great storylines. But none of them come close to the greatest storyline, the greatest Christmas storyline there has ever been, the one that God wrote before the creation of the world, the one where God himself would be born as a human to save humans such as us. I read a C.S. Lewis quote uh, this week that said this, Once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. And that's Christmas in a sentence. What went on at that first Christmas was bigger than anything this world had ever seen or ever has seen. And over the last few weeks, we've been in Isaiah 9 and verse 6, dwelling upon the incredible promise of that first Christmas, which the Lord made through the prophet Isaiah, seeing the names of this child who would be born and this son who would be given. We've seen that he's the, the wonderful counsellor, The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's the the source of extraordinary wisdom. He is the divinely strong and powerful one. He is the one who will forever care for his people. And he is the one who will bring a deep-seated, well-being peace. And we've seen, haven't we, that all of that is fulfilled 
in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who was promised would be born. And always true to his word, God's promises, they came true and the birth of Jesus is recorded for us in those gospel accounts of Luke and Matthew. And it's in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, that I want us to, to linger on this morning. I want us to see more of who this Jesus is. And we've seen much already in that prophecy in Isaiah 9. But here now in Matthew 1 uh, this morning, I want us to see two truths from uh, our passage that tell us more about Jesus. Two encouragements uh, for you, believer, on this Christmas Eve morning. Two realities about Jesus that change everything. Change everything. And the first is that Jesus will save his people. Jesus will save his people. Christmas is all about Jesus. And our passage this morning begins by telling us that this This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. Here is the historical fact, as recorded by Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, of how the promises of God found in Isaiah were fulfilled and how some of the details were worked uh, out uh, there that first Christmas. Matthew records for us the, the names of Mary and Joseph, that Mary was the mother of Jesus, and that Joseph was pledged to be married to her. But before they were married and had any chance to have children, Mary becomes pregnant in a uniquely different way. It didn't happen in the same way any and every other pregnancy begins. There weren't two human beings who uh, created this baby. Matthew tells us uh, here that Mary was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. That is something that we don't really have a category for, isn't it? It's unique and it's difficult for us to get our heads around it. But both Matthew and Luke record this detail for us. Mary will have a baby because of the initiative of God. The Holy Spirit was the agent, if you like, in Jesus' conception. Now, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God appears as the agent of God's activity, especially in creation and in the the giving of life. Think of the Spirit of God hovering over the waters back at creation in Genesis 1. Or think of the Spirit of the Lord breathing life into the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37. And similarly here, the divine initiative is clear for us to see. Through the Holy Spirit, the beginning of a new age is beginning. The birth of Jesus, the Messiah, unleashing a new chapter in world history. It's being brought here so clearly interview. And so what we're seeing here is this, that this is a supernatural event. Everything about the pregnancy and the birth was very normal and human, but the the conception, the beginnings were not normal. It is supernatural. It is of God. There's no possibility that Joseph was the father in the physical sense. And we know that because we're told in verse 19 that he had in mind to break off the relationship in a quiet way. He doesn't want to disgrace Mary and leave her feeling ashamed. He's merciful. He wants to show compassion towards her. But nonetheless, he doesn't see how things can continue as they are. He at first had no idea that this was a supernatural event. That's why he was looking to end things. And it is only when an angel comes and tells him otherwise that he has the bigger picture. So that's why we read in verse 20 that an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
God graciously intervenes, doesn't he? It's clear that Joseph had decided what he was going to do, but now the message of God to him through this angel is that he he is still to, to take Mary home as his wife. He's still to go through with a marriage because there is an important part for Joseph to play. How do we know? Well, did you notice how the angel addresses Joseph? He's called Joseph, son of David. Son of David, that ties in with what Matthew records before for us here in that genealogy in those opening verses of chapter 1, that the Messiah would come through the family line of King David. And as a son of David, Joseph would have an incredibly significant role in the plans and purposes of God for humanity as he takes Mary home as his wife. Purposes that will come to fruition, promises that will be fulfilled as the angel goes on in verse 21, telling Joseph that Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The birth of Jesus means rescue. Jesus will save his people. In Luke 1, Mary is also told by the angel that this name will be given uh, to this uh, baby. His name would be Jesus, which in itself means the Lord saves. But here Joseph is also given the reason, isn't he? Because. Call him Jesus because. He will save his people from their sins. There's echoes of the psalmist here. Psalm 130 verse 8 tells us that the Lord himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Jesus Christ is the one who saves. He himself will do it. And in naming him Jesus, the angel gives Joseph the main reason, the main purpose that Jesus Christ came into the world, to save people. That's why he came, to bring salvation, to redeem people, to rescue all who will believe in him, to bring people out of their imprisonment to sin and death into new life. Jesus Christ the Lord will save. Specifically, he'll save us from our sins. He wasn't coming in some kind of political intervention. It wasn't a kind of national rescue. It wasn't some moralistic campaign against all evil and wrongdoing. No, he comes to save his people from their sins. And it's not just something he might do or attempt to do. But then it'll be a bit dependent on us and how we respond. Jesus doesn't come so that it makes it possible for us to be saved. No, he will do it. He will absolutely save his people from their sins. His coming into the world means real salvation for people like you and people like me. And if we're numbered among the people of God this morning, then that is true for us. I wonder, friend, are you a part of God's people this morning? This promise is for all those who have their trust in Jesus Christ. What is your faith in him today? Do you believe in Jesus, that he's come to save you from your sins? Do you believe he was born as a baby in Bethlehem, that he might grow up to live so perfectly, that he might die in your place on a cross and rise again from the dead? Jesus came to save people. Are you in his number this morning? Jesus will save all who are his. He will save all who will come to him in faith. And so today on this Christmas Eve morning, you have opportunity to do that, to put your faith in Jesus Christ, that you might not perish but have everlasting life. But you might be thinking to yourself, 
that you can't really understand all this talk of being saved. Why do I need to be saved? Maybe you're listening to this today and you're thinking that you're doing okay. There's nothing that you need saving from. You're not a murderer like we've seen in court this week. That tragic case in Reading of a young teenager killed. You're not a fraudster, you say. You're not a gunman like we've seen in the Czech Republic this week. As far as you're concerned, you're a decent person. You do your bit. You help where you can. Surely things aren't this bad, are they? As far as you're concerned, especially compared to others, you don't need saving. Well, friend, I want you to know this morning that the Bible says that while you might not be a murderer, you might not be a fraudster, you might not be a terrorist, you are still a sinner. Not one of us matches up to the perfect standard of God. We've all fallen short of his glory. And that's why we need Christmas. That's why we need Jesus. We need him because there was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gates of heaven and let us in. You and I need Jesus because without him, we can never be saved. We will remain in the hopelessness of our sin. Now you might be very aware of the, the hopelessness of your sinful state this morning. Or you might not. You might be completely blind to this biblical truth that sin is always the, the basic, if not always immediate, but it is always the basic cause of, of all trouble and all calamity in our world and in your life. And this verse containing the, the declaration of the angel to Joseph, it's something of a, of a north star to us, if you like. It is a vital reference point to us understanding Christmas and understanding all of our life because it gives us the fundamental purpose of Jesus' coming. Jesus came to save his people. And you might not realize it, but this morning, if you are living your life without Jesus Christ, if you're not trusting in him, then spiritually, you're in prison. You're enslaved to sin. You are trapped in the snare of evil. And without Jesus, you'll never get out of that. If you choose to remain in your sin, then that is where you will stay for all of eternity. But friend, Jesus came that you might be saved from your sin. That you might be freed from your imprisonment. You can go from living your life in sin to one of freedom forever because of Jesus, the rescuer. In some way, it's like the, the news story that's come out of the United States this week. I wonder if you've read or heard uh, about a man called Glyn Simmons. He's uh, 70 years of age. And this week he was exonerated for a murder that he didn't commit. So he was declared not guilty, having spent the last 48 years in prison. So this Tuesday, just gone, he was declared innocent by a judge in Oklahoma. After it emerged, there was crucial evidence in the, the case at the time. It wasn't given to his defense lawyer. And so he had served 48 years and one month and 18 days in prison for the murder of a woman in 1974 and he was in prison for all that time and he didn't know freedom but now he does now that doesn't undo the justice the injustice that's been done and yet nevertheless there was an obvious elation Can you imagine what that must have been like for this man on on this newfound freedom and the point of me mentioning that is this Maybe, friend, you're older than 48 years and one month and 18 days. But for longer than that, for all your life, you have been living in spiritual darkness. Hopeless and lost. You're not living your life, you're just existing. 
you're imprisoned in your sin. And today you're hearing the word of God to you that says that in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was born in Bethlehem, there is one who will save you from your sins, who will free you from that spiritual prison that your sins leave you in. Today you can be declared not guilty anymore. By the judge of all the earth, there will no longer, no longer be any condemnation for you because your faith is in Jesus Christ. I wonder, will you do that, friend, this morning? Will you come to Jesus, the Savior of the world? He came to give his life as a ransom for many. He came that we might know new life in him through the forgiveness of sins. If you have done that, brother, sister, then don't you find great encouragement in this this morning, that Jesus has come, that you might be saved, and that you will be saved? There's no question mark hanging over you this morning whether or not you're going to make it to heaven. There's no uncertainty for you, brother, sister, about whether you will one day be with your Savior, Jesus. He will save you. The Lord has taken the gracious initiative in all of the details of that first Christmas, and he's taken the sovereign initiative in saving you and setting his loving, sovereign grace upon you from before the creation of the world. You are safe in him. You are secure in him. And the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world guarantees that. Jesus came to save his people from their sins and by his grace, that includes you this morning. That includes you. And that's reason for praise and thanksgiving this Christmas, isn't it? So Jesus came to save his people. That's the first reality that changes everything for us uh, this morning. And then secondly, I want you to find encouragement in our passage from the fact that Jesus came to be with us. Jesus came to be with us. Here's a source of real encouragement for you uh, this morning, for all of us. Verse 22 and 23 of Matthew 1 uh, says this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So here Matthew is making clear for us that what is taking place is fulfilling the promises of God. Specifically, the promise of Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. The Bible's not full of random events. Christianity is not something that's just come about by chance. The birth of Jesus Christ was no accident. Matthew understands that what we have here in the scriptures really is the word of God that, that comes to us through the words of men. It, it, it is inspired by the Spirit and the God who makes promises really does keep them. He is only worth trusting if he keeps his promises. And he really does do that. And so as Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though human, they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So it's all of God. It's God who takes that divine initiative. It's he who maps out all things. It is he, not mere man, who made these promises. And yet the real historical Isaiah wrote them down hundreds of years beforehand. So when the first Christmas comes along, it's not a shock. It was planned and purposed. And this is what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew's quoting from Isaiah 7 verse 14, and that's found in a whole thread of thought or, or a unit or an overall point being made by Isaiah from verse, seven of Isaiah, verse 1 of Isaiah 7 to verse 7 of Isaiah 9. 
And so it starts, it starts by speaking of a promised Emmanuel in chapter 7. He's going to come and conquer all opponents in chapter 8. He's going to appear in Galilee of the nations at the start of chapter 9 as a great light to the world in darkness. And then in verses 6 and 7, which we've considered over recent weeks, we see that he is this child who is born and this son who is given. Mighty God, wonderful counsellor, everlasting father, prince of peace, and the greatness of his government and peace. There'll be no end as he reigns on David's throne forever. Here's the faithful promise of God fulfilled. But you might be wondering, hold on, I thought that we just said his name would be Jesus. Because he's going to save his people from their sins. And now we're saying that we're going to call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So so which is it this morning? Well, it's a good question, but thankfully there's a good straightforward answer for us. And that's in the fact that this prophecy of Isaiah chapter 7 is fulfilled not in the naming of Jesus, but in this whole account of his birth. And his name, verse 22, begins by saying that all of this took place. And all of this fulfills, all of this that's going on, fulfills that Jesus is God with us. The point is not that Jesus was actually called Emmanuel as an actual name, but it is a name that indicates uh, his role of revealing God to humanity, of bringing God's presence to mankind. It's a name in the sense of it being a title, of it being a description. That said... What this name Emmanuel means is related to the actual name of Jesus. And by that I mean that the name of Jesus, as we've seen, it means that God is salvation. Salvation is of the Lord. So that's what his name means. Jesus means saviour. And it's sin that separates us from God in all of his magnificent, magnificent splendour and holy presence. And so when Jesus comes to save us, our salvation from sin results in God with us, doesn't it? You and I, we could never get to God on our own, by our own efforts, in our own strength. We just can't do it. And so that is why God came down to us, that we might know him, that we might love him, and that we might follow him. But it isn't only in what Jesus does that means he's God, but also in who Jesus is. Friends, be in no doubt that Christmas is so important because it really does mean that God himself has come into this world. Jesus himself is God with us. The Emmanuel of Isaiah 7 is the mighty God of Isaiah 9, who is the one born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, given this name Jesus in Matthew 1. Jesus is God with us. There's no great blessing imaginable for us this morning and for God to dwell with his people. Jesus really is the one called God with us. He is the one, as John records, as the word who became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Brothers and sisters, we are blessed this morning to say that we know Jesus, God with us. Jesus is almighty God and he comes to this world as God to save his people from their sins. And here's the heart of the blessing of Christmas in the words of one writer. The people whose sins Jesus forgives are the ones who will gladly call him God with us. 
Christian, you can gladly call your Jesus, Emmanuel, God with you this morning. And Jesus has promised us, hasn't he, just before his ascension back to heaven, in the very last verse of, of Matthew's gospel, Jesus promises his followers, surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Jesus is God with us. Jesus came to be with us. Christmas means that Jesus is with us forever, today and tomorrow and every day, even to the very end of this world as we know it, when he will come again to share in that great banquet of the new heavens and the new earth. It's not an easy thing to illustrate, but I wonder if you've seen any of the story of uh, the ex-rugby league player, uh, Rob uh, Burrow. He used to play for Leeds, uh, and he was diagnosed with motor neuron disease back in 2019. It's ravaged his body. It's such an awful uh, disease. And what's been so striking about uh, his situation and that sad story is that his Leeds teammate, Kevin Sinfield, he's the current defence coach for the English rugby union team, he's done so much to, to fundraise for motor neuron charities over the last few years. Some of the things he's done includes running seven marathons in seven days. On another occasion, he ran from Leicester to Leeds in one day. That's about 101 miles in 24 hours. In September last year, he ran seven ultramarathons in seven days. He did a similar thing earlier this year, and he's raised somewhere in the region of about £3 million. But one of the most touching uh, moments was when Kevin Sinfield ran the Leeds Marathon earlier this year with, with Rob Burrow in his wheelchair. And as they reached the finish line after about four hours or so, they stopped at the finish line and Sinfield carried Burrow, got him out of the wheelchair and carried him across the finishing line that they might finish together. He'd done so much for his friend. He had been there with him so much of the, of the way in the race. They both covered the 26.2 miles together. He was with him. He was right there alongside him every step of the way. And that picture only goes so far for our purposes, but hopefully it gets across that thought of having someone who's with you and sticks with you through thick and thin. But Jesus goes further than that because he knows and he feels what we are going through. As good a friend as Kevin Sinfield is to Rob Burrow, he doesn't have motor neuron disease. So he doesn't know and he doesn't feel what his friend is going through. As, as amazing a friend as he is. But Jesus knows exactly what we are going through. He came to be with us. And every moment... He is with us and he knows what every moment is like because he's totally God and he's totally man. He doesn't desert us. He's right there with us. And he understands deeply every detail of our lives. Isn't that greatly encouraging this morning? I don't know all the details of your life. I know some things maybe, but I don't know most things. I don't know the deepest thoughts and the feelings that you have. I don't know every single thing that you've ever been through and experienced in your life. Nobody else can know all that. But there is one who does. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus is God with us. And maybe as you approach another Christmas, your life looks very different to how it did last Christmas. And the last year has seen changes to your circumstances. You've lost a loved one. You're losing a loved one. Your financial situation has got worse. You're facing uncertainties as you look ahead to 2024. What is it going to hold for me? What is it going to hold for my loved ones? Where am I going to be this time next year? Will I still be here this time next year? 
Friends, there are many things that concern us and cause us to be anxious, but the great encouragement of Christmas for you this morning is this. God is with you. Jesus came to be with us. He is God with us, and he has promised to be with you always. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And so in the middle of your trials and your difficulties, in the joys and in the happy times, in the lowest of the low moments, on the highest mountaintops and in the lowest valleys, God is with you. Whatever it is that faces you this Christmas and in the months and the year to come, God is with you. He really is because of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who came to save you from your sins. The one who came that you might know him in faith and believe in his glorious work and person and then by his spirit. That you will know him with you every single step of the way, every minute, of every hour, of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year. He will be with you. And he will not fail you, but he will strengthen you and be to you all that you need in your weakness as he reveals his grace to you again and again and again as he faithfully provides all that you need as a merciful, gracious saviour. And this Jesus really is here. This really is true because we're told he really was born. We're told that there in verse 25, that Joseph obeyed this message of God from the angel, that he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. This Jesus really came. He came to save his people and to be with us. He came and he walked the roads we walked. He knew what the pains we know, that he might go on to a cross on our behalf and rescue us from our sins. And now in him, we have one who is with us at every moment. And while we are in the world, while we have known the first coming of Jesus, we still await his second coming. Advent does that for us. It reminds us of what has happened in the first coming, but also it points us forward Reminding us that Jesus is coming again. And in these days, as we have been leading up to Christmas, we're able to ponder, aren't we, those promises of the first Christmas. We see the dawn of salvation coming on the horizon in the coming of the Saviour. And we know that it has come in the person of Jesus. It has come. And yet the waiting is still not over. Because in his coming, redemption is not yet complete. Don't misunderstand me. The debt is paid. Forgiveness is secured. The wrath of God has been dealt with by the Lord Jesus in his death and his resurrection. The deposit of the Holy Spirit has been given to us. The first fruits of the resurrection uh, of the life to come are found in Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. The future is secure, and that is cause for great joy, but the end is not yet. As we know, living in this fallen world, death still snatches away loved ones. Disease can cripple us. It can impact our lives. Disasters can strike. Satan still prowls around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. As Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 8 and verse 23, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And so though Jesus has come, wonderfully so, we still wait for him. The longing continues and we long for him to come again to bring an end to all suffering and all sorrow. We are sorrowful living in a fallen world and yet we are always rejoicing as we live in what we can call the already but not yet hope of heaven. 
We're less confident, and yet we're still crying out, O come, O come, Emmanuel. In the reality of God with us right now, this morning, may we be encouraged to see the end that is to come. That Jesus, who is with us now by his Spirit, will one day be with us forever as the God-man in his presence. There will be a day that will come, and that'll be it. We'll be with him for all eternity. We'll be in his presence because he first came to us. And in certain faith, we will be able to rejoice and to rejoice and to rejoice because Emmanuel has come to you. Oh, believer, you who belong to the people of God. And so as we finish this morning, I have to ask you this. Do you know this Jesus? Do you know him as your saviour? Do you know this Jesus is with you today? Do you know that this is what Christmas is all about? And today you can know that for yourself. If you will come and put your trust in Jesus, the one who is God, who has come near to save us from our sins. Believe in him this Christmas and know new life in him, not only for the year to come, but for the life to come as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has come to save us and to reveal yourself to us. We thank you that he is God with us and we can know the reality of that every day by your Holy Spirit. Please would you help all of us to know the reality of God with us this Christmas time because we know our sins forgiven and have our faith firmly in Jesus alone. Might we all know this incredible blessing for ourselves today as we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.